Sports Show, Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Leafs are back home now, I, w- I would assume. I think I, everybody I'm that's in, no assuming. in I, no that idea. was in Sweden for this trip, mm-hmm. all the media people are back, including a guy that we're going to talk to in a couple of minutes, Frank Saravelli. So I imagine the Leafs are home tucked uh, snugly into their, their beds, getting ready for a whatever, game on Friday. Whatever the sleep doctor says. Yeah, that's right. Is he going to force them not to sleep again? Like, the, <laughs> again, if you missed it, go back and listen to all of Sheldon Keefe's clips from the first day they were in Sweden where you looked at the hotel. No beds, though. Mm-hmm. No going into the rooms. How dare you. No laying right, right onto, onto the, the ice. Onto the, the ice, ice for practice and weightlifting. Mm. I'd be dying to know what the sleep doctor has to say uh, the other way. William Nylander, what a performance over these two games against the Detroit Red Wings. No sleeping on him. And Minnesota Wild, well done. Uh, Five points. Couple of goals, including the overtime winner yesterday. He's one back of the NHL lead in points. He's just been feted. Like a whole country had its sporting eyeballs on him. And what did he do? He was almost directly responsible for two wins. For the most notable and biggest brand in the NHL. By the way, we've talked about this Matt Sundin uh, resurgence or perhaps changing the guard as far as his his attachment to this Leafs team and, mm. and visibility. He did go on Swedish television. I saw that. People and, were not happy. Well, but I, I mean, how why. can you disagree with the fact that the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of the most recognizable, yeah. important brands in all of pro sports? That's obvious, isn't if it? If he just says that, people have no leg to stand on. They're like, oh, oh, yes, he's right. But because he said Barcelona and Man United yeah, and the yeah. Yankees okay, for some have reason, people the, get upset. Have yeah. the Leafs won a bunch of sta- – like, obviously not. That's yeah. n- Nobody's making that argument. If anything, it, again, if anything, it further hammers yes. home the point of the brand Correct. that they are. Anyways, but also we should mention that the only person, at least at the time we had spoken with him, who Josh Cloak had seen wearing any Leaf gear at all in the entire country, mm. were employees of the team who, what I'm going to assume, were filming TikToks. Yep. And you know what? Speaking of which, I will say that I've done more diving into the social media of William Nylander over this past week and specifically mm. the weekend than I've ever done before. And besides, like, the on-ice stuff, which yeah. is undeniable, right? For like, sure. And William Nylander, the 40 goals a season ago, and looking as he does just about every postseason, like one of the, the Leaf players that does not shy away from the moment. Outside of that, like, I'm buying more into the personality of William Nylander than I ever have before. And and maybe I'm just, like, slow to, to pick up on it. And yeah, welcome. I, I, I just I hadn't consumed a lot of William Nylander... Um, videos, mm. interviews, off-ice stuff. For me, that was, there was a little bit of a changing of the guard as far as my perception of the man who was as exposed to the media more over this week than maybe he has in his entire tenure as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, he's always been the guy who, you know, like we don't have to relitigate who makes the most sense here or whatever, but who is the least phased by it. Like it feels like he loves the accolades, and if it ever isn't that, he is the one who is the most able to just flip the switch and turn it off. And again, I've made the comparison a million times today, but I think there is something for him to have a moment in the spotlight and not, again, he's he's a star of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He gets his due, but to be at the front of the line for that and then he gets to go back to being one of the guys and I honestly think it's kind of a best of both worlds scenario for him it's and we talked about how the uncles don't have a a leg to stand on the the uncles that talked about him floating through games and you know what like that sounds like the uncles had no evidence to back that up like that's you talk to Justin Bourne who worked with the Marlies when he was a Marley this is a conversation that he's had 
mm-hmm. throughout the course of his professional career that those things did exist. It was part of the William Nylander conversation mm-hmm. for a guy going into a contract year, for a guy that was off to a great start like he was, and there it, it hasn't been entirely perfect each and every game, but you talk about the consistency, the consistency, and you don't rack up a 17-game point streak without mm-hmm. this, but the consistency not just in-game of him being a dominant force, but throughout the course of this entire season, there haven't been many moments where you're like, well, William Nylander was a real passenger today. There's been basically none. There have been a couple of games where the Matthews line kind of carried the day. But guess what? When you have two first lines, that's kind of what it's supposed to look like at times. And it is far and away been Nylander carrying the mail for this team so far. All right, time now for our Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's Insider is Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content at DailyFaceOff.com, fresh off his trip to Sweden. How, how do you feel, Frank? Like, what time is it in your head right now? Great question. I actually feel pretty good. Um, I, I, was, I felt like I was one of the few people there that didn't have any issues sleeping. Like, that's one thing I'm pretty good at. So the time change and everything that went with it, the distance traveled, like none of that really got to me. So I feel all right. Good wow, for you. that's that's remarkable. I would be all out of sorts, but I can't sleep on, on the best of times. So what did you what did you kind of take away from your experience there? I mean, we've been obviously so bogged down on the Leaf side of things and the Nylander uh, experience uh, of it all. But, you know, having been there, what what did, did it feel like? How I guess my biggest question in terms of the feel there was how big a deal did it feel like in terms of event? Not from a Leafs perspective, but just league wide or, or how big a deal in Stockholm did it feel like? It's a good question because I don't know that it it wasn't like, you know, you go to a marquee event, whether it's like the Super Bowl or, uh, you know, an outdoor game where it's kind of like the singular focus in town for a few days. I, I didn't really get the sense that it was quite like that. And I think part of the reason for that, quite honestly, like I'm not knocking down the event at all. Like the big issue that the NHL has there is that the NHL is hard to watch in Sweden. Yeah. Like the big, like they revere their Swedish hockey teams there in that league. And I think the coolest thing for me is seeing really the reaction from some of the youth hockey players because they were at Leafs practice and they were at the rink, you know, trying to get autographs and photos. Like these are their hockey heroes and they don't, they don't get a chance to touch the NHL. Like, an, a regular Leaf game comes on at 1 a.m. local time, and the West Coast games are over really before they're getting up for school. Mm-hmm. So it's an incredibly difficult product for them to get their hands on, and that part of it, I think, it like it kind of takes away a little bit from the weekend because there's fans for sure, and they pay attention and they see what's going on, but they don't. They're not like immersed in it on the daily basis to the point where they're like frothing at the mouth to get it. If that makes any sense. No, hundred percent. I know. And, I, and I, I made the comparison to North American uh, soccer fans who are into the premier league. Like, yeah. You can watch the premier league. Like you got to wake up in the early morning and it's different than the other North American pro sports you used to watching, but you can, you can consume it. You can watch each and every game that Manchester city plays w- without issue. 
I mean, not to get too. But bogged. even that's more accessible. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's on at seven, eight a.m. Yes. as opposed to one a.m. But why isn't why isn't whatever the one o'clock Sunday and Saturday games that we get in the states all the time, especially once football season is over? Like that's the part of this because I've heard this. Uh, the and uh, I, guys, I get it. Like I understand how math works and time zones and stuff. Do but, you? borderline but okay. i understand this much if a game's at one o'clock in the afternoon there that it's fits perfectly time. for prime time there and that's the thing yeah. that i've wondered aloud and i'm not i'm not asking you to answer for swedish television but that's the thing i've wondered no, about I for this. answer for well, swedish no, i can television. answer for you in that the issue is a lot of the teams that play afternoon games here in, in the in north america aren't the most popular teams in sweden mm. The, the teams that were over there are some of the most popular. It's the Leafs, it's the Red Wings, it's the Sens, and not all of those, like the Leafs Poor don't wild. really play 1, 1 p.m. afternoon games. They better not. I had <laughs> enough problems with 2 p.m., and I'm getting it again hey, on well, Friday. They, they can, Leafs' next game is at 2 p.m. Eastern time, okay? okay. On, on Friday against the Chicago but it's, Blackhawks. The key is it's in Chicago, so yeah. you're not going to see a Saturday Leafs no. 1 p.m. home game. You certainly aren't. Even you're not going <laughs> to see a Saturday see with road a game. pitchfork somewhere if you saw a 1 p.m. So what, what Saturday. what part don't you like about it? The 1 p.m. game? Yeah, they're the Leafs. They're supposed That's to play. It. It's it. They're supposed to, especially a Saturday night. I just had a Saturday night removed from me. It is like the same reason a football fan wants to watch their team on a primetime game. I want to watch my team play at the time they're supposed to at 7 p.m. on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. I like, don't know. The idea of the don't, don't, doesn't everyone love the Sunday yes. 1 p.m. game yes. in the NFL? Like, yes. Come on. Yeah, I'm with you, Frank. You go to bed at a reasonable hour. You yes. can day drink. It's yeah. the best ever. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Mm, I wholeheartedly disagree. I like the Leafs in their rightful place <laughs> you, on primetime on Saturday. On picture and the opportunity and what it all might mean yeah, yeah. but I'm, here's the thing you guys just encapsulated the argument in a nutshell uh-huh. the nhl is not going to readjust itself mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that they can get more swedish hockey fans i mean they just kind of screwed up the leafs and three other teams for two weeks so yeah. they could do that well whatever i think brent's problem honestly frank is that he has a child that's a little bit younger than uh i don't know how old your children are, but mine are like old enough that they can like do their own thing if daddy's sitting in front of the television at one o'clock like brent has to be hands-on child rearing uh, you know yeah, on we've, the weekend we've all been there yep yeah yeah so maybe in a couple of years you'll come you'll come around uh right? just to be clear i will never change my mind on this my <laughs> whole life i've wanted a 7 p.m he's like my sat- kids are 37 and 40 and uh yeah <laughs> If they ever play at 1 o'clock again, I'm out. When I was a kid, I wanted the game at 7. I've got a kid, I want a game at 7. And guess what? When he has a kid, I'm going to instill this in him. Okay. That 7 p.m. on a mm. Saturday night is the Leafs' rightful time to play. Mm. I don't know why you guys are trying to take I it away from me. We should I, move I, on I like and talk it. about something else. I've okay. complained enough about scheduling for seven years. Let's talk about, despite the fact that nobody can watch the games in Sweden, they, they seem to have a pretty good understanding of who William Nylander is. Um, so, I, yeah, we, we talked. Uh, Josh Cloak last week. He said he didn't see any Leafs jerseys, but it does feel like people are paying attention to William Nylander. Um, it felt like this there was were a, real... a ton of Leaf jerseys. Oh, there were. Okay, so you can speak to oh. that as well. So speak to to the Leafness of it all, and and where William Nylander stands in the sports hierarchy in Sweden. Yeah, so I'd say like uh, the Leafs had by far the biggest response there, and it wasn't just people coming over from North America. In fact. A lot of people that I ran into on the trip, um, they were from Ottawa. They were from Detroit. So I don't, I don't think there was a huge crop of Maple Leaf fans that that went over. Maybe I'm wrong, but 
they're certainly immensely popular there. Boria Salming and, and Matt Sundin have a huge part of that. And look, um, I think what this trip did for William Nylander is I think it really crystallized him as one of the very best players in the league. Like I think too often in Toronto, especially over the last couple of years and look this, this year he's kind of achieved and gotten to another level. And in parentheses, it just happens to be in a contract year, but he's gotten to this next level that it's like, yeah, you know what? He's been great almost every night in Toronto too. But when there's a singular focus on you, it feels different. And not everyone can live up to the spotlight of that. It's his hometown. Uh, he he lives, I don't know, a half a block, two blocks from where the, the Leafs stayed in their hotel. Um, he is a rock star there. Like he's on the daytime talk shows. Uh, one of them, he tried to do without a shirt or one of them. We he saw wore that. A, it was quite, yeah, an quite an outfit he had on, it, but if anyone oh, the can whole do weekend it. was like quite an outfit, <laughs> but it's one thing to do that. And it's another thing to then show up and deliver like he did. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty special. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think the question that unfortunately, and uh, God, don't I love that this is where we have to go is on everyone's mind is, is the price baked in already? Does it just keep going up and up and up? If you're William Nylander, why would you have any impetus to sign a contract? If you think this run is going to continue, like what does this do to the possibility of negotiations between the Leafs and, and Nylander now? Well, I, I mean, it's, this is not going to shock you. It's really expensive. Um, when you are one point or two points off the league scoring pace and not only that, to me, I think the biggest thing is he's been the Leafs driver all year. And and you can For point sure. out the moments that Austin Matthews has had with the hat tricks and how great that's been. But of all the Leaf games I've watched, I can't think of one that I sat back and was like, man, that's weird. I didn't see Nylander tonight. Yeah. But I watched very closely the game in the first game in Sweden, and I was like, did did Austin Matthews make the charter? Oh my. Don't do that. Did he? Like, I'm not certain he did. <laughs> and and to be fair, you probably could have said that about the entire team the first two periods. Yeah. But the point being, Nylander has been the guy driving the bus. Mm. And I think the nice thing, the comforting part of that for the Leafs in the short term is that's a pretty awesome feeling to know that at some point, Marner and Matthews will explode and hopefully Nylander stays going at the same time. And it's just a bonanza every night. But the other part is how do you then find a way to keep him? And I, I do think that with each, you know, weekend, like we had this past one where he's crystallized in that group of five to 10 super elite players in the league, it's there's no doubt it's it's in a range that I think the Leafs even two months ago, three months ago, probably weren't thinking. Yeah, that's the that's the interesting part. And, you know, we always talk about in like we always talk about the cap as a whole, of course, but we also talk about teams and their internal caps on players. And, you know, sometimes the highest paid guy kind of sets a pecking order. I'm very curious about the 
I mean, for lack of a better term, the dynamic that's going to play out with a Nylander contract and then, and the Leafs hope it's a Nylander contract followed by having to negotiate an extension with Marner. I mean, there's been a massive gulf between what those two guys are paid now and Marner, you know, I don't think he's taken a haircut from the 11 million he makes right now. That's the thing I'm really curious to see is how the, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's taking a haircut, but I, I know one thing, if I were running this team, and I had to pick between the two of them, which one to keep. I, I know which one I'm keeping. Yeah, it's the guy who's already scored 40 goals and could score 50 this year, right? Like, I, And not to say it's that... It's the guy who's a point-per-game player the last three playoff mm-hmm. runs. And, and It's a guy who you know has the fire in his belly. Yeah, and, and it's not... I mean, Mitch Marner does things that... William Nylander doesn't do too, right? Like he, and I know Nylander has been killing. He can't do. Yeah. Nylander's killing penalties a little bit more this year. But yeah, Mitch Marner got Selkie votes a season ago. And what a great distributor. Not that Nylander's incapable, but the most important thing is putting the puck in the back of the net. Not that Mitch Marner hasn't done that either. He's scored 35 goals. He's never scored 40 and he's never scored 50. Now, to be fair, neither has William Nylander this season. He's just on pace for something ridiculous. I mean, those, the four forwards make what, 48.5% of the salary cap as is right now, and it's going up next season. But what we're talking about, if if the Leafs do retain William Nylander, making well over 50% of the cap, the four of those forwards, like at some point, it's just, it's untenable. Can they, like if William Nylander wants to maximize his earning, earning potential, can he, can Brad Living allow it to be in Toronto? You can do anything you want. I guess that's true. You just Can have you to win be prepared with to make tough decisions on the other end of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and I think that part is is eminently doable. Yeah, I think the you thing... You mean to tell me you couldn't find real value for Mitch Marner on the trade market if you had to? Yeah, but he's or got a no-move clause. I mean, that would make well, a ton of sense. If that if that was possible, 100%. Make 11 million, yeah, distribute that a little differently. That's why it feels like a missed opportunity that, you know, before his no-move clause kicked in on July 1st that they didn't explore that possibility. But it doesn't have to be just Marner. Like, you could explore the same thing with, I don't know, maybe you can find a soft landing spot for John Tavares for the last year of his deal. Mm. That is the... I'm just... Uh, all I'm saying is... You've got other guys whose contracts are up. Bertuzzi, Domi, Klingberg, Brody. Like You've got some cap money that you can play with. If you think Joe Wall's the guy, you could go super cheap on your goaltending and sign another vet to play in tandem. Who, whatever, like there's a lot of different avenues and options the Leafs can pursue. And I, I, I refuse to accept for one second this idea or argument that because William Nylander has been ridiculous this year that he's gotten himself into an echelon that the Leafs can't afford if they want to. Yeah, the way I look at it is at the worst case scenario, you have a reset year in the last year of Tavares' contract. You keep Tavares in fold, and then there's been talk of, you know, it's not going to be 11 if he resigns here. You know, I think some people are getting carried away with how big a haircut they expect John Tavares to take, but I do wonder if you just look at it that way of, okay, we have one year of a bit of pain where all these guys are making it, and then, you know, Tavares' contract drops a little bit, and you, you kind of reset from there. The the other guy on this team that I've got to talk to you about, and rightfully so, we're talking about Nylander here. He's been... 
the biggest piece of the puzzle for for the Leafs this season is is John Klingberg, a guy who was the mm-hmm. I wasn't the first, but the second signing made on on free agency day. You know, it seems like at the beginning of the trip, Klingberg was saying, "No, I don't think this is an LTIR thing." Heading into the Sunday game, you have Keith saying it could be trending in that direction. How do you expect this to play out with John Klingberg here? Because just reading the tea leaves, it sounds to me like a guy saying, no, 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 don't put me on LTIR and a team saying, eh, maybe that's where we want you. Well, I think he tried to work his way out of it too. Yeah. Right. And it's clear that he definitely needs some rest and a break. And look, I don't know which way this is going. I, for me in the back of my head, uh, part of me is wondering, like, is this maybe the last we're seeing of him here, like right now? And I hate to, you know, look longer term, months down the line of what, you know, hey, is this how long is he going to be out? I don't we haven't heard anything about this net quote nagging injury that has been with him for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Like it hasn't been talked about. So I don't know how far it goes back. I don't know what the rehab process has been. I don't even know how it flared up. All I know is it's really clear to me that we're looking at a guy that can't keep up mm-hmm. and certainly is struggling with his decision-making process as well. And all of that is wrapped in a neat bow that has affected his confidence. That's not, and a, no. it's a really ugly place to be. No, it is. Um, we referenced it earlier before that you go that the Winnipeg jets. Yeah. They were disappointing last year. They made the playoffs and you know, narrative surrounding them this season that they were going to be in the midst of a rebuild. Despite the fact they, they re-signed some significant players, they have the second lowest uh, attendance rate in the National Hockey League, only ahead of the Arizona Coyotes, who can only fit 5,000 fans in their building. By the way, only averaging 4,600 per home game. Uh, so close. Jets at, at 15,000. Um, is this... On the NHL's radar, like, what does this say about the viability of NHL hockey in Winnipeg? No, I think part of what they've run into, and and actually we we talked about this um, with League Brass after the uh, press conference in in Stockholm, and the question kind of was something along the lines of, "What do you have any concern about where the Jets are at?" And the answer is no. They're they feel like they're in the process of of two major changes. One, there was a feeling throughout the marketplace that this team was rebuilding, that they didn't have a chance to compete this year. By the way, they're one point off the division lead, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, what's And it's been a rocky year. Like, they haven't had their head coach for most of it and Rick Bonus, And they re-signed all these guys, and they weren't getting the goaltending from Connor Hellebuck. Anyway, the point being, they were not... I think fans were not expecting much of this team. That's one. Two, you have to remember and think back to when this team entered the marketplace. A lot of fans, as part of the run-up to it, signed five- and ten-year contracts for their season tickets. Wow. That's a really big commitment. Some of those have expired. Yes. It was part of it was coming. Longer than players can sign deals for. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Ten years. So some of those have expired and gone by the wayside now. It's also because it was one of the smallest buildings in the league. They were able to charge a premium on that ticket price. And after 10 years, the novelty has worn off. It's no longer like, oh, my God, isn't this amazing that we have NHL hockey here? It's like, yeah, we have a team and we're actually pretty good. And so that part, 
they've had to work around that. But the biggest thing is they didn't build a proper corporate base mm-hmm. during all of that because they didn't have to. If fans sign 10-year contracts for tickets, you're not out there pounding the pavement trying to beat up every corporation you can to buy suites and things like that because you don't really need to. Man. So they've had to go back to their roots and and try and get some of that corporate money, which, as you guys know, Winnipeg doesn't have the biggest corporate base. Yeah. So they've got some work to do to get there. I get into a cold sweat when I sign my mortgage renewal for like five years, and that's for uh, – yeah. A lot more money, I would, I would think, than jet season tickets. But 10 years, imagine trying to plan out your entertainment spending 10 years from today. That's wild. But think about stuff. how awesome that would be at the same time, though. I like, guess. we got hockey back because I signed up for this. Yeah, it's true. You can feel responsible. Probably be a pretty amazing feeling. Right? Yeah, but if you're responsible then, yeah. you're still yeah. responsible oh. now. Interesting. Yeah, careful. Yeah. You can't even get responsible for a 1 p.m. puck drop. What are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, but I'm a Leaf fan. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. No problem selling those tickets. All right. Uh, Frank, glad to hear you had a great time in Sweden. Thanks for doing this, pal. Have a good one, guys. There's Frank Sarvelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. He was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit Don Valley North Lexus. Dot com. So um, I Googled top companies in Winnipeg, wondering like who they could bilk. Mm-hmm. I don't know how yeah. good of a sign it is that one of the top nine listed is the Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries Board. I think that's government also. Like, yeah. I don't think the government. No, that's is... what I mean. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, also, Hydro listed in there as, uh, as well. So no. Could be no tough. Good. Like, I don't know. I won't, to do I, won't, with I won't name mosquitoes. other corporations there. Uh, no, actually, uh, it'll shock you. A lot of banks. Yeah. Snow removal. Like, uh, that would be... <laughs> Mr. Plow is not listed, but... That's his name? Yeah. That name again is Mr. Plow. Yeah. Hey, uh, for a limited time, <laughs> Canadians can get their hands on the Raptors 20-piece McNuggets pack with spicy buffalo dipping sauce. To celebrate this new edition, we will be giving away $100 in McDonald's gift cards all week. To enter, all you have to do is tune into episodes of the Fan Morning Show, listen for the code word, then you text that code word to 590-590. Today's code word is McNuggets. Dex McNuggets, as I always do to my wife, to 590-590 right now for your chance to win. We'll be giving away another $100 in gift cards tomorrow's show, so make sure you tune in. And if you, either, I don't care which side of the equation, you McDonald's, you salesperson who helped us foster this partnership are listening, I'd like some. I had some McNuggets this weekend. It was wonderful. Me and my son, we crush them all the time. Please give me some McNuggets. I would like them. I like I said, I just text sometimes out of the blue McNuggets to my wife. Do she, you, she know it's like the bat angle. She's like, oh, he, this guy needs McNuggets. How much sway do you, if I? <laughs> oh my god! If I just texted my wife McNuggets, McNuggets with the, I should assume, try it. Try well, it right now in the break. Text your wife. Just do, no, no, no preface. Me, I'll tell you exactly what'll happen with that. That that text will get ignored and just will never be spoken well, the light see. of day of again. Okay, we'll we will okay. thought experiment. It is happening in the break, uh, and maybe we'll have an update for John Morosi of all people. Yeah, uh, he of MLB Network joins us next. What's going on with Alec Manoa and the Blue Jays? As the uh, Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the JD Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. This from Ken Rosenthal over the weekend. Some rival executives speaking on condition of anonymity in order to avoid charges of tampering say the Blue Jays are open to moving right-hander Alec Manoa. How open remains to be seen. Let's talk to our insider, John Morosi of MLB Network, fresh off a, a loss um, in comeback fashion to the Toronto Maple Leafs, his beloved Red Wings in Sweden. How's it going, John? I'm doing great, uh, and, and yes, uh, that was not the ideal way that we uh, had envisioned that game concluding here uh, on this side of the border. But uh, ideal overall, over here. Uh, at least, well, at least the Wings earned a point against Ottawa in, in that game. But there was just there was just too much Nylander. He was uh, brilliant there uh, in his hometown, which is pretty cool. I, I was. Happy for William and his family to have those those moments, and uh, as I'd like to say, perhaps we'll have some some hockey between these two great cities uh, in April to settle things uh, a little bit in the future. Yeah, a lot of a lot of blue and yellow in Sweden, and uh, just to just to put you in a bit of a happier mood, you know, a lot of blue and yellow for Big Blue, and they took care of business against Maryland this weekend on the football mm. side of things. So don't worry, we don't have to be all all dour here, uh, but. Maybe we do for talking Toronto Blue Jays, John. Uh, this report coming out uh, regarding Manoa teams possibly wondering how open the Blue Jays are. You know, to me, I I couldn't. Uh, it, it just doesn't feel like a trade makes any sense because from a Blue Jays perspective, why would you want to buy or sorry sell super low on him? From another team's perspective, why would you have too much confidence to give the Blue Jays anything of note? Can you see at all a, a world where a Manoa trade makes any sense for kind of? You know whether it be the Blue Jays or our team buying on him. I could see a trade. I really could. And, and the the way that it makes sense is if the Jays feel as though the relationship is in a spot where it's it's not going to get back to being what it was, and to where they believe it could be a distraction to their season in 2024. And based on the the tenor of things toward the end of the season. The one thing that we have not yet heard at any point is Alec Manoa saying very clearly and very publicly that everything is okay Mm -hmm. in terms of his relationship with the Jays. And until we see that, until we hear that, I think that the possibility of a trade has to be acknowledged because it does not appear outwardly to this point in time that the differences that existed that festered during the 2023 season have all been resolved and, and, and cleaned up and that we're all on the same page entering 24. In fact, the absence of a commentary from Alec to that extent makes me wonder. And I do think that there are plenty of teams out there who believe that there is still a, a better level of performance out there in Alec Manoa, that if you, even if you draw a line between his peak and and the success he had in 22 and how bad things were in 23. If you even find a a middle point between those two performance levels, that's still an above average major league starter. And so uh, I I do think, to be honest with you, that there's a a decent chance of a trade where exactly it's probably a little too early to tell, but I I do think that we cannot dismiss uh, this possibility, even as complicated as, as it may seem to find what a fair price point is for a pitcher who was so great in 22 and quite the opposite this year. 
I don't dispute the fact that there's probably some disagreement between Alec Manoa and the Toronto Blue Jays as far as the way he was handled this this past season. But he's not even arbitration eligible yet this upcoming season. John, how impactful would that be? How how much would the Blue Jays feel impetus to move him if, in fact, there was a a disagreement or or a butting of heads between them and the player? Well, Ben, it's, it's a very fair question. And what I would say is, they would have to get back something of value and something of, if not exactly comparable value, something close to it. Because this is obviously not the first time in the history of pro sports where player and team have had disputes or disagreements. And at the end of the day, you, you do have to rely on the professionalism of people to um, to be able to, to find a way forward. And if, if a trade doesn't work out, for Alec to be there in, in Dunedin, and if for no other reason than his own professional pride and his own future to put his very best performance forward. So I, I do think that all of those things can still happen. But when you look at, and, and to your point, I think it's very well said about just how much, how much time there is still left in his uh, in his service time clock before becoming a free agent, uh, you would need to get back something that impacts your rotation or your club in in the relatively near term for this trade to make sense in any way. Because he's he really at his best is too talented for that not to be the case. Now, if they were really to your point, if they were really uncomfortable with him being with the club at all in any case, in any circumstance. They might have just non-tendered him this week, and clearly they did not do that. They, they tendered him a contract. He's still on the 40-man roster. Um, so clearly he's still on some level mm-hmm. a possibility for their plans. But you're exactly right. But when you trade somebody who's this talented this early in his, in his service time horizon, it, it marks a, uh, a pretty stark change from where things were in the past. And, and the other point I'll make is this – this needs to be something that is that is addressed from an internal perspective with regard to communication. You know, there was there was the on-field issue of, of communication and, and Berrios and the way that the season ended within the context of a game. There was also the, the, the context of Manoa's year and, and where things went awry in that respect. And uh, obviously the same personnel is all coming back for the Jays largely in terms of their coaching staff, front office, et cetera. Um, but I, I would hope that internally they're doing a really strong uh, effort in honestly uh, redoubling their their commitment to, to communication because the, the, the on-field communication and in-game strategy was lacking at the end of the year, and, and their communication with one of their most impo- important players was lacking during the year, and I would hope that the, the Jays as an organization are, are really focusing on, on those approaches, especially at a time when there have been at least some suggestions that they're, that they're going to make a bid to sign Shohei Otani. So if that's the case, uh, your communication needs to be in a much better place than it was throughout 2023.
Yeah, I would certainly say so. And boy, John, you you always know where we're going to go. That's exactly what I was going to ask you next. Uh, not necessarily Blue Jays specific, but where are we at in the world of baseball on, on Shohei Otani? Myself, I'm quite frankly a little surprised we haven't seen him signed yet. I would have thought somebody like him would have wanted this all taken care of and not have to worry about it. Although I don't know how much you worry about someone giving you hundreds of millions of dollars. But uh, where, where are we at on, on Otani uh, as we start this week here? Yeah, Brent, uh, great question, and obviously a, a very important one because uh, we're all wondering and waiting. Certainly we did see the, the first significant signing of the offseason over the weekend with Aaron Nola returning to the Phillies, but the one that we're waiting for hasn't happened yet, and that, of course, is Shohei Otani. Um, Jeff Passan has reported, and I believe it to be true, that, that Shohei's representatives at CAA really want to be a, a under-the-radar, quiet, confidential, private process. So we're probably not going to hear quite as much this offseason as we did with, let's say, Aaron Judge a year ago, where we didn't even hear that much, but at least we knew that he had met the Giants, for example. I'm not sure that we're going to be getting updates of that level with Shohei. I, I still look at the big picture here and believe that the Dodgers are, are the favorites until someone proves otherwise. Uh, they they are close to where, of course, Shohei has lived for his time in Major League Baseball. They've got a big budget. They've got a great team. They're in the playoffs every year. Uh, they, they don't have that many high-dollar contracts on the books for next season, so they've got plenty of capacity. And for all those reasons, I look at them as, as the favorites until someone proves otherwise. But Shohei also is someone that has gone against the grain at different times in his career. And, and even signing with the Angels was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people. So um, in, ter- in terms of the Jays' r- reported interest, uh, I, I do think that they'll, they'll try. Um, how high they are on his list is unknown. It remains to be seen. I, I do think that in, in any successful sales pitch, the Jays would have to find a way to convince Shohei that they're going to be good beyond just the next couple of years when Vladdy and Bo are still under contract. What's their plan for the long term? It can't be that Shohei is the big ticket and, and that's your full off season. If you had him, you've got to make sure that you're surrounding him with a championship club or else I just don't think he's going to be signing with you. So uh, the, the mere fact that the Jays are, are open-minded to him, which is what I've been told as well, is, is great news for their seriousness as a competitive entity. But I, I've got a lot of questions about what they're telling him, assuming that they have the meeting, uh, about what they're going to be doing with the rest of the club because – if you're if you're talking about surrounding Shohei with a championship level caliber uh, of of players around him, uh, you're spending a lot of money for a lot of years if that's going to be the way that you're that you're doing business. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about Shohei Otani's free agency and not a lot of answers on on anything. And yeah, to your point about the the passing report that he's going to hold it against teams if anything leaks out about their reported interest or a meeting. I mean, John, you're an insider. You have this the inside scoop on so many of these these stories, and you've broken so many over the course of, of your career. Have you experienced a free agency quite like what we're seeing with Shohei Otani? Like, do we know any like do we know if he's in fact going to meet in person with teams? Like when is that gonna happen? Do we know anything about this offseason of Shohei Otani's free agency? We know very little. And and you're right that in terms of the magnitude of the player and the interest in him 
and the, the lack of, of meaningful day-to-day updates, it's, it's a very – it's, it's a very difficult situation for us to navigate as, as insiders and reporters, um, and I've never seen anything quite like it. I, I would say to the, to the question that you've asked, you know, when he first came over here, he, he had a day at the CA headquarters in, in Los Angeles where teams came in and, and made presentations, uh, as, as I understand it. And so there was a, an allocated time where each individual team would come and meet. Honestly, it was the same, as I, as I understand the story, it was the same building where uh, John Tavares had all of his meetings. Right. When he was a free agent, same, same spot, same road in, in Los Angeles. Oh, um, good karma. Which is kind of, yeah, right there in, at the Avenue of the Stars, kind of an interesting, interesting time. But um, so I, I think that there's probably going to be another in-person conversation it might be more likely that it's that it's actually in those respective cities just because Shohei now has a, a, a greater feel for living in North America and, and what to expect from it um, so I, I would say that but it was interesting I was listening yesterday uh, Jim Duquette the former GM uh, made the point on MLB Network Radio that that honestly for those of us who are insiders we're going to have to be careful about all of our information and really double, triple check things because let's put it this way. If, if there was someone that wanted to have some nefarious activity trying to diminish the chances of a, yes. of a team signing Shohei, would they leak some report about uh, Team X meeting with Shohei, but it didn't actually come from Team X. It came from somewhere else because they're trying to make Team X look like they leaked it um, <laughs> and then diminish their chances. There's going to be a lot of really interesting reporting on this and and to be honest uh just i'm only speaking in my own behalf here it's going to be important that we know what we what we don't know and that we say what we don't know if, if Shoei truly wants us to be quiet behind closed doors then we have to acknowledge what we don't know that's that's where i'm at right now john this is uh, i get to use a million dollar word here subterfuge we get a lot of subterfuge going yes. on here yeah potentially with other teams uh <laughs> exciting to watch um or maybe not because yeah again like the reporting has been sparse on this thing maybe it'll just one day pop up that Joey Otani is signed John uh, always a pleasure man talk again soon sounds great uh, look forward to catching up again soon and again congrats to the Leafs on a great trip there to sweet Enjoy uh, Michigan-Ohio State week, John. Ooh, Should be, be a good one. Thanks yeah. so much, guys. I appreciate it. See you, John. John Morosi, MLB Network Subterfuge. Feel free to use that. Yeah, I knew that one. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> so that's interesting. They're bragging. Whoa, look at me. I own a thesaurus. Subterfuge. Subterfuge. Um, Otani meeting with the Blue Jays at the same place that the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> landed John Tavares? I mean, so... Is he the- from here as well? or? <laughs> Probably no, not. but he's not from they're anywhere. The sh- oh, but he's not from anywhere, they're though. They're the sharks. They're like, have a kajillion dollars. Yeah. 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 You know what? <laughs> Take just a little less. Yeah. Thanks. Well, so Handshakes. who is, of course, the thing that pushed it over the finish line was highlight film of Mitch Marner dangling all over the place, right? So, yeah. like, what what is it? Like, I guess Vladdy hitting his, like, three bombs oh. that he hit at home this season. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I don't know how how rules work, but if I was a major league team, it would be of that Japanese pitcher uh, in my team's jersey being signed. That yeah. would be the pitch. It's yeah. like, hey, you didn't even you didn't even know this happened. We're signing him by the we'll way. Here's this. a press release. Whatever We're going to release right after this meeting. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll see. All right, we'll also see about William Nylander's future beyond this season with yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, again, like it's never happened that they've 
created a homegrown superstar and then let him walk to free agency. It also hasn't really happened that a um, homegrown superstar drafted in the first round has reached free agency in the salary cap era. But, like, yeah, they've traded oh, away. One, one guy. He's the least captain now. Oh, you just mean in general? Like, it's yeah, like, yeah. Honestly, no, no, generally speaking, they don't. Grown. No, no, but I mean, John generally Morris speaking, not... they don't leave across the league right. as a whole. It right? just doesn't That's happen. what I mean. Yep, 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 yep. But, yeah, William Nylander's doing all he can do to increase the AAV on this potential new extension. Um, the newest edition of 32 Thoughts is out right mm. now with uh, Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick. Maybe you've heard of it? I have. Okay. They hit on uh, the William Nylander situation at the end of today's podcast. I think he's already going to make a ton of money. I, I think the other thing you can argue if you're the least Great. is if it, if it matters to Nylander, you could say you're going to make a lot more money because you're a Leaf. Like, I, I think there was a time the Leafs were trying to get this guy signed for $8.5 What's he going to hit now? You know, we're, we're at the point now where they're probably going to him, Willie, you've earned what you've earned. But we got to make this work somehow. Like, I, you, you know how I feel about all of this. And I have said this from the beginning, that Nylander is not going to take, like, Matthews is at 13.25. And yes, you can absolutely make an argument he could earn more. But Nylander's going to say, look, if he's up there, I deserve to be up somewhere close. Now it's going to be about, okay, what's a number that works for everybody? That's what they're going to get to. And I expect they're going to take a run at this again soon. I don't think there have been a, a ton of conversations recently. I think there's been one meeting maybe. But I would expect they're going to try to take a run at this again soon. I, I think now it simply becomes a conversation of what's fair that we can make this whole thing work. Because the, kids earned, the kid has earned what he's going to get. Eight and a half million. That's cute. Man, might as well have offered him seven bucks. Like, I <laughs> He's understand. already making seven. He nah. scored 40 goals last year. Yeah, that well, the Timo Meyer 8-8, remember? Sure. That was, I, I'm not defending it. I'm just trying to put us all back in that headspace okay. of three months ago, four months ago, uh, wh whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, he. Th it is interesting. A lot of people wondering, oh, have there been talks? I, I feel like the hardest man in the world to talk to last week was William Nylander. He's a little busy, mm -hmm. so maybe it makes more sense to re-engage in this now that... Lots of time this week. Yeah, well, yeah, don't get me started. Uh, don't play again until Friday when, again, it's in the afternoon, which is mm -hmm. great for people who have jobs since it's wonderful. But from the Nylander perspective, yeah, you have to keep trying. Like, I would expect the player to say, eh, I've gone this far. Like, might as well wait to see where the market is when the season's over. But if he really wants to be a Leaf, it's as good a time as any to prove it. And he doesn't have to, but this would be the time that you absolutely have to re-engage. The idea of not re-engaging would be nuts. We'll see how much common ground God. there is there, but you have to re-engage. Yeah, so obviously Brad Tree Living wanted it at eight and a half and mm -hmm. thought that that was a reasonable number, and we heard throughout the course of the offseason how far apart both sides were. Like, yeah. they were a million miles apart, which means that there was a number for Nylander. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, 10 is a... Far distance from eight and a half. Yeah. The idea that it was 10. And I, I feel like Brad Living is going to feel like me every time I buy something and I find out, like, I get a flyer <laughs> that, like, is on sale the you next week. Price right? match? You yeah, can't do You can't do it retroactively. Uh, yeah, anyways. Yeah. The regret I feel missing out on, you know, 10 bucks. Right. The regret Brad Living is going to feel 
if we get to the point where it's 11 per yeah over eight for William Nylander and he could have had him like if he had just yeah I don't, all right fine well, well that's like, the thing though I don't know like 10 could have been a number that got it across the finish yeah, line but they know well but it might not have been 10 like if he thinks that Matthews is the neighborhood not that he's in but that he's close to mm. like does 10 feel that close to 13 to 5 because it doesn't feel that like, I, I, and I'm not defending where the, I'm not even giving my opinion on where his number should be right now. But the idea of that 10 feels that close to 13, two, five, it doesn't to me. Yeah. So I don't know that 10 was the number available. Again, everyone does like, this is all impossible to know. Definitely ain't five. Wasn't going to do it, but it goes back to the idea that true living couldn't immediately come in and hand Nylander 10. And I, and I know he scored the same number of goals as Austin Matthews did last year. Matthews played eight fewer games than him. And, yeah, he had a very down year. And, obviously, there was something happening physically with him, mm -hmm. I think. It was a tougher argument to be made that William Nylander was closer to Austin Matthews last year, despite the fact that they ended up with the same number of goals. This year, it's, yeah, it's a little easier argument to be made. At least through 17 games. Yeah. One's a winger, one's a center. And I don't think you can forget about that part of the equation as nope, well. No, you can't. All right. We'll be back again tomorrow. It's been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Good, Good morning. morning.